so privileged to be able to have a great item from uh, an amazing group of people. I'd like us to thank our worship and creative arts team, our uh, sound and tech team, our dream team that serve us, our ushers, our kids team. This church functions because a bunch of people who call it home say I'm part of the dream team. So we just so want to honor our dream team this morning. But uh, honey, lead us this morning, my friend. Be blessed. Be blessed.
so, so good. I don't know about you guys, but I feel like we need to make a little bit of a declaration this morning. Our nation has been carved out by the hand of God so that it gives the, the very presence of our mountains and our rivers and our, and our nation is giving glory to God. It's the exalting of our Heavenly Father because of the way our land was produced. And I want to make a declaration this morning that one day, as one people, we will make the same declaration. That day may not be today, but, but come on, church. We, 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 can, we can be the prophetic picture of it up here. Come on, we can lift them up this morning. God, you are good. You have carved our nation to a nation that gives you praise. We, the church, will give you praise. And faith that one day our nation of New Zealand will give you praise as well. That every man, woman, and child will lift up the name of Jesus. The name of you who can I see the one who gives you praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God, we thank you for the, the way Maniah gives you praise and we ask that we would be mountains lifted up of glory to you so that people would look at us and give you praise in the same way as your nation gives you praise. Your Jesus, I didn't know that was coming. That just came out. Thank you, Lord. So good. My name's Pete. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's such a privilege to share with you this morning. And around Saul, King Saul. And um, King Saul was one of those guys that didn't finish well. And uh, we're, we're looking at a series called Cautionary Tales. Cautionary Tales, and the tagline of that has kind of been a little bit amusing in a tragic way for me for the last couple of weeks, as they're saying, lessons from people who didn't finish well. That's a, that's a tragic statement right there. I'd never want anybody to have that said about them, and it kind of, for me, brings to mind walking through a cemetery and uh, something really harsh being written on someone's tombstone, you know, like that never happens. We only ever say good things about people, um, no matter what their life was like. But uh, I can just imagine walking past someone's tombstone that said, you know, he started well, <laughs> dot, dot, dot. As <laughs> doesn't sound good. Or maybe he had a couple of good years in his teenage years. It's like, oh, gosh, that's not really great, is it? But um, the lesson today from the life of Saul is to move past your junk, move past your stuff. And the idea, and we'll get to it as we unpack it, is that there is a place for you, there is a place of freedom where you can find yourself, that, where you've been able to move past the things that are currently holding you bound. That God is a God who wants you to move past your stuff. And uh, I know for me, there's stuff that I need to move past, and there might be things that you need to move past. It might be something big and significant, that a bit of a dysfunctional relationship that needs healing. Or it might be something as small and trivial as too many plastic bags in your home. You know, like, I don't know how many other people out there have a massive collection of plastic bags. Oh, we've got a doozy, eh? We need to get rid of some of those things. Uh, yeah, all good. Maybe sew them into a hat, or I don't know. Recycle them in some way, I don't know. 
Mum used to have a hat that was made out of plastic bags, so maybe we'll do that. I don't know. But um, <laughs> so good. I don't know where that came from. But uh, this message is also for you. And as you're listening to it, you might be thinking to yourself, oh, my husband would need to really hear this message. He's got some things he needs to get past. Or maybe my teenager, my teenager needs to get past some stuff. Maybe this message would be great for them. That's awesome. And it may be right that it might be for them. But first and foremost, it's for you. So don't get distracted by thinking about other people. Let the Holy Spirit convict you and lead you this morning. Awesome. There are things that my wife would like me to get past. Some different phrases and sayings that, that I've used incorrectly that she often corrects me on. And uh, it's funny because we, in our house, we have a thing called Wind Up Your Wife Wednesday, um, which is actually Wind Up Your Wife every other day as well. And so when she gives me corrections, I just deliberately turn them around and start using them incorrectly just to wind her up. There's the phrase down pat, D, uh, down P-A-T, as if to say, you know, I've got this particular skill down pat. Well, for years, I've always thought that that phrase is actually down packed. Like, like you've got a cup of flour and you just need to like really pack it down or like sugar or something. So I've just been using it. Oh, I've got this down packed. And uh, my wife has reminded me of that. And my response to that r- reminder is just to keep using the term down-packed as much as possible and just, just thoroughly enjoying the, all, the, all the responses that I get. Another example is that um, one time, as a mistake, I referred to a ramekin, you know, like those little ceramic cup things that you make dessert out of and put dips and stuff in. I, I referred to that as a mannequin, you know, like a shop mannequin. And so she corrected me on it, and I thought it was hilarious. So for years, for years, I've just been saying, darling, can you pass me the mannequin? You know, like, with as much emphasis as I can, just a wind. It was great. She wants me to get past it. Love it. It's not happening. It just keeps getting funnier and funnier and funnier. You know, it's been like, we've been married nine years. It just keeps getting better. I love it. There are things that we want for others to get past, but unfortunately for us, the Word of God speaks to us directly. And so um, with all the humility that I can muster, may I encourage you to kind of treat the Word of God this morning as a bit of a mirror and for which to see yourself. And don't default, um, this is the easy option is to think about this for somebody else. Maybe when it comes to getting past stuff, you experience stress. And when you experience stress, it tends to just flow out from you into the workplace relationships that you have. And you've noticed that, that as you experience stress, the relationships you have with the people around you get a bit more tense. And maybe God's call for you, if that's you, is to step past that to learn how to deal your, with your stress more successfully so that your relationships might improve. Maybe uh, for you, what you need to get past is when you've had a difficult day, you've got maybe some unhealthy coping mechanisms for that. Maybe you come home and your first response is just to smash a couple of beers. Like, look at me, I'm, I'm an enjoyer of fine ales as much as the next guy, but it's not a good idea. It's not a good coping mechanism. Maybe the word of God for you this morning is to get some um, better techniques, things you can do that are more healthy for when you're feeling a bit down. Maybe there's a, a relationship in your life that's particularly tense. And for you, what you need to get past is a healing of that relationship 
Because every time you're around that person, you find yourself doing things that are out of character for you. Maybe you're a little more aggressive than you would normally be with that particular person. And for you, getting past that means letting that relationship heal. And so you kind of stop those behaviors that are out of character for you. You kind of live a little more um, according to how God really sees you and not in your past. Whatever it is that you need to get past, I can tell you that God is a God who is desperate to see you move past those things. He's not standing off in judgment. He's actually a close friend who's right beside you, who is even more motivated than you are to see those things shift in your life. The story of Saul is a tragic story. It's a story where someone who is so full of promise and talent refuses to be led past their stuff and refuses to face what's actually causing them damage in their life. He placed himself in a position where he made the same mistake time and time and time again and having never learned from the pain that was in his life and it had devastating consequences. Come on, let's be people who move past our junk. We've all got junk. We've all got things to move past, but let's be people who are led by the Holy Spirit past those things and into a new season. Let me give you a bit of background on Saul. At the time when Saul was anointed king, the reason he was anointed king was because the people uh, of Israel wanted a king. Before that, they'd been led by God. God had been their king. And um, they wanted a, the NIV actually puts it, earthly king. They said, you know, we want an earthly king. So we're not actually happy with, with God being our king. We want a tangible one, um, which was a first mistake anyway. But, um, but the, God led the prophet Samuel to the house of Saul where he was anointed. And uh, Saul, the reason why is that Saul was actually a really strong leader. From the outside appearances, Saul was a great leader. And um, this is what the Bible says about Saul before he was anointed. 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 2. Kish had a son named Saul, as handsome a young man as could be found anywhere in Israel. And he was a head taller than anybody else. So Saul was anointed king over Israel, and everything seemed like it was going well. He had some initial military victories, and from the outside, he was an excellent choice for a king. As far as we could see at that point in the story, everything had turned out well. Except below the surface, Saul had a really significant weakness. In fact, he actually had two significant weaknesses. The first weakness is that he had an attitude of pride, pride in his heart. And the second weakness, which was actually a lot worse than the first, was that he didn't know that he had pride in his heart. Or he chose not to know that he had pride in his heart. And the story of Saul is not just somebody who, who experiences pride and then moves past it, but it's somebody who experiences pride and refuses to be led out of his pride and into humility. You see, as you're reading First Samuel, as a reader you know Saul's problem. And the irony is, is that Saul in the story doesn't know he's got a problem, but the reader does. And so the, the tension in the story kind of builds and builds and builds because you know what's coming next. 
You don't, maybe if you haven't read the story, you don't fully grasp as to what form it might take, but you know he's got a problem. And, and his problem is kind of like a ticking time bomb that keeps on ticking, ticking, ticking through the story until something horrible happens, a devastating consequence. So we get to the pardon Paul's, uh, Saul's story where he makes his first big mistake. The Philistines had built an army to come against them, and... Um, and it was an army that Saul on his own couldn't defeat. And so he called Samuel the prophet to come and make sacrifices on his behalf so that they would have the Lord's protection going into the battle. And uh, this is what happens. The, the prophet Samuel tells him to wait at a place called Gilgal uh, for seven days. And on the seventh day, he was to come and offer the sacrifices. And that was what God, how God was going to lead them out of that issue. And so we pick up the story in 1 Samuel 13, verses 7 to 14. Saul remained at Gilgal, and all the prophets with him were quaking with fear. He waited seven days, the time set out by Samuel. But Saul did not come to Gilgal, and Saul's men began to, sorry, Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and Saul's men began to scatter. So he said, bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offerings. As Saul Offered, and Saul offered up the burnt offering. Just as he finished making the offering, Samuel arrived. And Saul went out to greet him. What have you done? asked Samuel. Saul replied, When I saw the men were scattering and you did not come at the set time, and that the Philistines were assembling at Michmash, I thought, Now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I have not sought the Lord's favor. So I, compel, I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. You have done a foolish thing, Samuel said. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. Now, this might not seem like a big deal to you to kind of jump the gun and offer the sacrifices, but Saul had been given by God a particular role. And that role in no way resembled the prophet's role. He was a king. He was not a prophet. He was not God's intermediary between the people and God. And uh, the, the issue, the sin of Saul was that his pride drove him to, at the very first opportunity, step uninvited into the role of prophet as well. The truth is, is that at, for, for Saul and his life, God simply would not allow someone to lead his people who refused to address the problem of pride in his heart and continues time and time again to allow it to be worked out in his behavior. And it's easy for us, I know this to be true, and, and you do too. It's easy for us to be like, oh, naughty boy, Saul, you know, it's not very good of you to do that. You could have done so much better. But I know in my life, there have been times when I've ignored a problem, where the Holy Spirit's told me, Peter, you need to deal with something here. And I've shelved it, and the pro thinking that the problem would get better. But what happens? It just gets worse. And it just impacts even more people. And so, so for us, it's easy to look at this lesson and say, oh, I won't do that next time I'm um, 
waiting for someone to come and bring a sacrifice to the Lord. But, but it's not about that. It's about getting past our stuff and being choosing to address the painful conversations in our lives, conversations that bring healing instead of more chains. The sin of Saul is that he had a problem with pride, but not just that he had a problem with pride. His issue was that he refused to deal with it. There's a theologian in the States, a guy called Tim Mackey, and uh, he has written a lot of material on 1 Samuel. And this is how he summarizes Saul's life. He says this, it's crucial, well, actually he says, the message of Saul is that it's crucial that we reflect on our own character flaws and how they harm us and other people. And with God's help to deal with our dark sides so that Saul's story does not become ours. You see, the message of Saul is not that we might have a lesson on how to deal with pride. It's that, it's that we should get past our stuff. That if you don't struggle with pride, that's great. But there is something you do struggle with. Let's be people who move past our stuff, whatever form it takes, and uh, allow the Holy Spirit to lead us to a new place. You know, that's not the end of the story, though. That is a powerful message, but it's not the end. You see, the Bible teaches us that in our struggles, we are not alone. That no matter how big the addiction is, no matter how big the problem is, no matter what the doctor's diagnosis says, there is somebody who can lead you out of those things. There is a bright future behind the current season, which seems difficult. There is no situation too damaged to get past to the person who's feeling that their marriage is too difficult to go on, God is wanting to let you know that he can heal those hurts and take you to a better place. To the person who's fallen into a hidden addiction and you know that what you're doing is wrong, but you can't seem to stop, God can help you get past your circumstances and bring freedom to that part of your life. Whatever situation you currently find yourself in, God can bring you out of it and into a new place. He is a God of freedom and he's a friend close by you, not someone who's causing judgment, uh, bringing judgment on you. Let me put it to you this way. Having these discussions is painful. And there may even be some people here right now for whom, well, the words that are coming out of my mouth are making you feel uncomfortable when you're starting to experience that pain. But it's good pain. It's healing pain. It's pain that drives us to, to address issues in our life. I, I'm an amateur furniture maker. And uh, I was building, I've, I've, I've built our dining room table. I built it a few years back. And I was using a particular wax polish to uh, shine up the legs of the table. And as I was like polishing it down really hard, I caught a little splinter under my thumbnail. And I didn't see it go in, but all I felt was a really intense pain. And I just, one of those hand movements, just straight down the, the chair leg, uh, the table leg. And I had a look at my thumb and I almost couldn't even see what had happened. There was no blood and there was nothing from the outside that, that looked like I had a problem. And in that moment, I was really tempted just to ignore it. I'll be honest. If it hadn't hurt so much, I probably would have ignored it because there was nothing on the outside which seemed like there was a problem. But I went and showed it to my wife and like all good wives, she probably told me to harden up and 
you know, she, she's a doctor and she loves taking splinters out of people. And I just don't like having splinters taken out of me. So there's a natural conflict there, you know. And so I probably bit down, clenched down on an apple or something, and she grabbed some tweezers and pulled at a tiny little stub of, um, of wood that she could see when she kind of peeled things back. And as she pulled out the stub, it revealed a splinter about one and a half centimeters long, which had embedded itself in my thumb. You know, if I had been, uh, there was nothing on the outside which told me that I had a problem. But as I embraced the healing pain, It was a painful exercise, but it's one that has allowed me to keep my thumb attached to my hand. If there had been infection, who knows what would have happened? Who knows what would have happened? But I chose to embrace healing pain, and I had that issue dealt with. Saul never chose to experience healing pain, and as a result, he doomed himself to making the same mistake time after time after time. He never got past his junk, and it produced lasting damage in his life, and the end was never far away. So let's have a talk, just as we uh, kind of wrap this thing up, let's have a talk about three ways, uh, three practical ways for which you can get past some of that stuff in your life. And like all good preachers, they all start with M. So this first one is to take off the mask to take off the mask. We all have different masks that we wear at different times. And they're not all bad things. It's a good thing to have things hidden at times. You know, I'm not going to tell you everything that has happened in my life from the stage. I might tell a few people, but I'm not going to tell everybody here. That's going to be weird. There's There's a type of mask that we wear people who are in leadership, maybe you're in leadership in a sports team or in a church situation like here or in your work, whatever, there's there's a type of uh, strength and confidence that you project. And it's a mask because no matter how you're feeling, it's part of your job to project a confidence, confidence in the business, confidence in the club, confidence as a coach of a sports team that you really think your team is going to win when maybe you're not quite as sure if they're going to win or not. (laughs) You say, yeah, sure, you can win. But we must never uh, mistake the mask of confidence for true strength. We need a handful of people in our lives, and perhaps just a handful, who get to see us with the mask off. You need somebody for whom you can take the mask off to. You You need somebody who really knows how your marriage is doing. You need somebody who really hears how you're feeling, really knows what you're thinking. We need people in our lives who get to see us with the mask off. And I think that's what uh, James the Apostle was attempting to communicate in James 5 when he says, he says this, James 5 verse 16, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you might be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Here at Elam, we believe that coming to church on a Sunday is really great for you, but it's not enough because in many ways you don't get to take the mask off. And in order to kind of get past the things in your life that you need to get past, in order to get past those things that the Holy Spirit is asking you to get past, you need to have a place where you can take off the mask. 
And uh, here at Elam, we love small groups for that very reason. And if you're not in a small group, I myself have been involved in many small groups for years and years and years. And the thing I appreciate about, appreciate about them more than anything else is that they're a place where I get to take off the mask and let people see me for how I really am. Let me encourage you, if you're not in a small group, get in one. You can fill out the little connect card that's in your, um, on your seat and uh, pop it in the offering bag, and someone will call you and talk about the different options that you have for a small group. The second thing that we can do when we uh, need to get, when we know there's something in our life that we need to get past, is to look in the mirror, to look in the mirror. I know this might seem a little harsh, telling everybody that, you know, uh, to face your problems, you need to look in the mirror, but uh, I know you're all beautiful people, and when you all look in the mirror when you get home, there won't be any problems. Uh, You're beautiful, and you're amazing, and I'm not trying to tell you that you (laughs) don't look great, but but the metaphorical mirror. It's the metaphorical mirror. That's two it. Thank you. Awesome. And here's a third M. Michael Jackson was right when he said that I'm looking at the man in the mirror. How, do you remember how it goes? If you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and make the change. That's right. You got it. Come on. Woo, MJ. Now, I did a moonwalk for the first. Oh, I might as well do it. I did it for the first run. I don't, I, don't, I don't even know how they do that. Moonwalk. Come on. Michael Jackson made a lot of mistakes and there were some things he didn't get past, but he was actually right in that song. There's sometimes we need to look in the mirror and see things for how they really are. And it's worth mentioning that perhaps the reason that Saul never got past his stuff was that he never slowed down enough to see it. You see, our mistakes and our our shortcomings and our failures, they're fairly obvious. They're not overly hidden, but perhaps the reason that we don't see them for what they are is because our lives are moving at such a pace that we don't slow down enough to see them. In fact, the Holy Spirit is called a counselor, and part of the reason he's called a counselor is because we need a counselor to get us through the things of life. And so he's always speaking to us, but are we listening? Have we slowed down enough when we look in the mirror to see what's really going on? But however, this has to be uh, communicated that this is not something you need to carry on your own. This is, I'm not wanting to communicate from up here that you just need to get better, just be better. That's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is that there is a God who wants to help you get better, who wants to empower you to be better. In fact, when you look in the mirror of Scripture and you see something that doesn't quite line up, when the Holy Spirit is prompting you with something that needs to shift, you can know that God is not a distant judge, but He's a close friend that wants to help you through that area that needs to shift. That is why the psalmist in Psalm 34, 18 says this. He says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. It might be tough to admit where we've slipped up, but our God is not someone who stands at a distance, but is a close friend who is even more passionate than you about you moving forward into that new season of life. Let's be people who see our stuff for what it really is. And finally, the, the, the third M that I'd like to share on this morning is to let a mate speak. 
So I already, I, I, when I was writing this message, I had two M's sorted just by chance, and I thought I need to, I need to shift this final point so it has an M in it. It was going to read, let a friend speak, because that's more, you know, gender like neutral, I suppose. But um, mate is a bit more male-oriented. So ladies, just forgive me. It's okay. You know, you guys can have your confidants, and we'll have our mates, and that's good. But let a mate speak. Proverbs 27, verse 6. Mike shared this a few weeks back, but it deserves repeating. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. There are times in your life when everybody around you seems to be saying good things of you. Maybe a business is going well, or you've just had a promotion, or for some reason, everyone has given you compliments. And what you really need to know in that time is, should I be trusting what these people are saying? Because they might be telling you the truth. Great, celebrate it. But you want to know whether you can believe them or not. When I was 16 or 17, I used to speak in our uh, small church in um, Pakaranga in Auckland. And um, uh, it was a church that was quite passionate about getting young people speaking, and that was fantastic. And I'd speak maybe two or three times a year. And um, without fail, after every message, these lovely old ladies would come up to me and give me just the most kind, heartfelt compliments. It was, it was fantastic. It, was so, it felt so good. But w- when I look back at that time, I think to myself, what I needed was not more compliments. What I needed was a close friend who can give me the truth. And that truth would include some positives, but it would also include the truth of, Pete, you're, you're an amazing guy. I can see you going places, but if you don't deal with this thing, you're not going to be as good as you could be. You need to get past some of your stuff. One message I listened to again a few years back just because I was curious. Um, I must have been listening to some kind of Australian preaching or something. And I I spoke the whole thing, like 25 minutes, with an Aussie twang. (laughs) Nobody told me. Seriously, we don't need, I didn't need more compliments. I just needed the truth from somebody. Fortunately for me, this has been taken off the website. But I think it was up there for a few years because you know how things go in church. Sometimes the website doesn't get um, updated. (laughs) Shocker, eh? Yeah, yeah, that's not us. We we just updated ours recently, yeah. (laughs) That's so good. You know, it's so often in life we find ourselves when people are just saying good things about us. But what we really need is somebody to tell us the truth somebody to get alongside us and speak into our lives. Let me encourage you, if you know that there is something in your life that you need to get past, why not find someone you trust and someone who loves you and ask them to speak into that area? It'll be encouraging, but it will be uplifting as well. And it will help you get past those things you need to get past and move into the thing that God is calling you to do. As the band comes up, I'd like to share briefly one final thought from this book. You see, there are two characters in the book of 1 Samuel. There are two key characters. There's King Saul, and then there's the, his successor, King David. And, and throughout the book of Samuel, these two characters are compared. They're contrasted. They're kind of held up and compared for the key difference. And, and the fascinating thing is that King David was actually, in many ways, uh, more sinful, more broken than Saul. He was up on his roof one night and he saw a beautiful woman who was married. 
and he invited her over and, they, and she got pregnant from that experience. In order to cover it up, David had the lady's husband killed. And a year later, after the appropriate period of mourning, he took her at his wife. He took her as his wife, and he thought he had gotten away with it. But God, through the prophet Nathan, brought a, a, a message of correction to David. And David's response was one that says, Yes, I know I've messed up. I'm a broken guy. I've got things to get past. But God, would you help me get past them? I've got something in my life that is keeping me broken. I know I'm better than this. I know you've created me better than this. And I need help to get past this issue. David was considered a man after God's own heart, not because he was any better than Saul, but because he got help when he needed it that he had the humility to go before God and get forgiveness for the things that he had found himself in, for the issues that had kept him trapped. All of this is to communicate a very simple truth to you, that whatever you're facing, whatever you've gotten yourself into, behind it is a better future. If you can get past it, you'll move into a season of freedom where that issue no longer bothers you that there is a freedom behind the thing that you're facing. Whether it is an addiction that needs beating or a relationship that needs saving, it might be a budget that needs setting or help that needs asking for. Whatever you're going through in Christ, there is always hope on the other side. A bright future where the pain no longer lives. For me, this truth has been one of the most powerful, life-changing truths that I've ever encountered. Because when I was 11 or 12, somebody showed me a dirty magazine. And from there, it led me into a place where sexuality for me was a real place of brokenness. I made some horrible choices that really messed me up. And the reason I'm sharing this with you is because my biggest fear was that those addictions and issues would stay with me for life that there was never change possible, that no matter how hard I tried to be good, that that goodness would not be possible, that it would always keep haunting me. At the age of 16, I gave up trying to save myself and I turned to Jesus. And what I found when I met Jesus was that not only could that area of my life change, but every area of my life changed. That no longer uh, was change impossible, but change was possible. And, and, and And that as I walked forward in relationship with God, His holy power would give me strength to get past the things that I needed to get past. So you might be here today and you're thinking to yourself, well, that's all good and proper, Pete. I'm sure that's great for you, but you don't know what I've done. You don't know what's been done to me. Let me tell you that no matter what has happened to you, no matter what you've done, God can make all things new. That change is always possible. And not only does does God help you walk through the change, He is the change. He's the power behind the change. He can help you where you can no longer help yourself. And everybody, there is a possibility of new hope in Christ. So as we close today, I'd like to offer you the opportunity to pray a prayer that I prayed almost 15 years ago. 
with every head bowed and eye closed, if that's you and you know in your heart that you need to change, that something needs to shift, you don't know Jesus, maybe you know him and you're coming back to him this morning, would you pray this prayer with me, with every head bowed and eye closed? Dear Jesus, I know I've messed up, but today I choose to give my life to you. I hold nothing back. Thank you that you died to cover my sin and rose again to give me a new hope and new life in you. Thank you that you found me. Thank you for your grace. With every head bowed and eye closed across this place, if you're like me and you just prayed that prayer for the very first time, would you pop your hand up nice and high? We'd love to connect with you. Is there anyone here who is coming back to the Lord or knows you need to change? Awesome. God, we thank you for everything you're doing in this place. Thank you that you have called us to something new and you've given us the strength and the power to change. May we always be people who look in the mirror to see the ways in which you are calling us to be and boldly walk that out in everyday life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Awesome. Come on, what a great message. Thank you, Pete. Thank you for your honesty.